When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GamesenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame online wager required. Right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Patriots First and Goal, the final Patriots First and Goal of the 2023 season. And the Patriots are no longer in it. A lot to talk about, Rich Hill. Uh, it's funny, we had some scheduling conflicts. We couldn't quite find a time to get on the horn last week, and it kind of worked out because we kept talking about, oh, should we talk about what's going to happen to Belichick? What about the, and the more you delay, the more things tend to settle. So um, I'm glad you have some time today, Rich, because we got a lot to unpack <laughs> of this 2023 Why? season, what went down here. But first up, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Um, I I am relieved that the season is mercifully over. Uh, and I don't know about you. I watched a, a fair bit of, uh, you know, opening wildcard weekend. There's some pretty good games. I feel like there's some really good storylines out there. There's so many teams that are like very easy to root for. Honestly, it's kind of just the Chiefs that I'm rooting against at this point. I might be forgetting a different team, but like pretty much every other team I'd be like, Heck yeah, Lions, go get that title. Heck yeah, Bills, I have nothing against you right now. Go get that championship. Like Lamar Jackson, get it with the Ravens. Kyle Shanahan, get Brock Purdy, that'd be a great story. Go get it with the 49ers. Like Jordan Love, that would be amazing. Just to like get, uh, you know, just really establish himself as turning the page for that Packers franchise. There's so many really good teams that I'd be like, cool. What a great cap to this season. Uh, you know, CJ Stroud and the Texans that uh, it makes the fact that the Patriots were so bad this year already in the rear view for me. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to be able to sit and relax and enjoy the playoffs and not really care one way or another what the results are. Yeah, I'd like to see the Chiefs not win again. They're, they're, I've kind of had enough of the Chiefs, as had a lot of people, I think. But every other team, I, I'd be okay with them winning. The Lions have been my NFC team since the Barry Sanders era. They were That was an absolute blast to watch them get their first playoff win somebody actually had got to write on the internet for the first time in history the lions won a playoff game and they were, they were true about it so it's just nice to see that uh the bills i don't hate the bills at all I, I i do think that there was some interesting uh tomfoolery going on with the bills on on that steelers game but i don't really care about any of this stuff it's fun to watch it's relaxing i'm enjoying it and yeah i mean i find that as, as enjoyable as wildcard weekend was i think there was literally only one lead change all weekend and it was in the browns texans game mm. the rest on the lead the winning teams kind of just took off 
My wife's a Cowboys fan. My father-in-law's a Cowboys fan. That was a bit of a depressing uh, time around the the house watching that one. But other than that, it was a good time. And uh, yeah, it's just a a relief. Probably the best word you you use. Relief that it's all finally over. Rich, I mean, I know we can talk about the Jets game, but that game was just terrible. It's in the rear view. I, I have nothing to say about that game. And there's a little more pressing news. I think we should probably get off to with our first and goal. Uh, the obvious scuttlebutt around New England. What's going to happen to Bill Belichick? That question has been answered. He has parted ways with the team. First and goal, Rich. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, I, I've been on the fence for months now. I feel like I middle of the year, so hard out of the gate being like, it's time. It is time to separate with Bill Belichick. Uh, it, it's, I think it was after the Cowboys and Saints game. And I was just like, I, it's, it's over. He's got to go. The team's not fighting for him. Uh, the coaching and team building decisions he's been making uh, on offense and special teams have just been atrocious. Uh, there, there's just the complete mismanagement of Mac Jones as a prospect. All of those are reasons uh, compounded by the fact that this has been like the second or third iteration of the team post Brady, depending on how you want to look at it. You know, like they had that Cam Newton year that was obviously thrown away. Belichick even said you, you had to pay your bill at some point because they're paying it forward a lot during the end of the Brady years for like assigning big players perspective. 2020 was just coming to a head, but they had that first rebuild where they had the Johnny Smith Hunter Henry off season. And it was a total bust as it relates to all the players that they brought in other than Judon. Judon has been a great player for the team, but outside of that, there's not been a lot of really good players that they've been able to use consistently. Well, I have my opinion on Kendrick Bourne. They, uh, but like the team had that rebuild opportunity and it did not go well. They had a second shot this year. And, you know, the Juju Smith-Schuster instead of Jacoby Myers that I was a fan of. I supported that move. So, like, nothing against it. But then you also had all of the changes, the unforced errors on the offensive line. And depending on how you want to look at it, is it really going to be Kraft's choice to say, Belichick, you will get a third or a fourth chance right now to do this when it feels like you've just been getting gradually worse and worse and worse. Then down the final stretch of the year, switching over to Zappi, who I will continue to say is a much worse quarterback than Mac Jones, everything considered, the team was still fighting. I fell very much into the, this reminds me a lot of the 2009 Patriots where Belichick was like, I just can't get these players to do what I want them to do. And like, that's fair. There was a lot of players that just weren't doing what he needed them to do. But the responsibility lies with Belichick for that team that exists. And so I was willing and open to the idea of him getting one last hurrah with the team, one more chance to rebuild the team with a true top draft pick. Uh, But at the end of the day, I don't blame the Crafts for going in a different direction. It seems very clear that over the past few years, the Patriots have been trying to kind of take some of the power and responsibilities away from him. You know, they forced Bill O'Brien and Gerard Mayo uh, kind of into elevated roles and, you know, in very un-Belichick fashions with very public uh, PR statements. And it just felt very much like the writing was on the wall. Belichick has told us forever that the moment that he feels like he didn't have the full autonomy with the team, that he was out of there. And that's what happened. And so it kind of just makes sense that they went different ways. Do you think, Rich, that the reporting is accurate, that it was a completely mutual parting of ways and they both wanted it to happen? Or do you think Kraft's like, you got to go, Bill. I'm sorry to do this, but it's time. Or you think it was really was like, Bill's like, it's time for me to go. What do you think? What do you think? We'll never probably know for sure. But what do you think happened behind that, that door in that meeting? Yeah, I mean, this is based purely on 
nothing. But I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it is similar to that parting with Brady, which obviously there was like a little bit more of a, the Patriots wouldn't give him the contract that they that he thought he deserved uh, and went out and performed with with the Bucks. But I think there was also a very real the team wasn't going to succeed around Brady. It just wasn't going to happen. They like the 2019 team was limping towards the end there. They just had completely whiffed on their draft picks, which is a common theme over the past half decade. Um, and so like the team wasn't going to contend with Brady. And so it kind of just made sense that he should go. If he's only got a few more years, he told us forever till 45. That's what he wanted. And why not spend the rest of his years with a team that could afford him that opportunity to contend and it paid off and it worked. And I feel like Belichick has also been very upfront with what he needs in order to feel like he can run a team well and effectively they took that away. And so he said, if I can't have that, then I'm going to go somewhere else. Cause I can see it very clearly being the line in the sand, Belichick saying, I need to do this in order to run my team Kraft saying, we kind of need to take the keys away from you because look at what's happened to special teams and offense and all of these draft picks and these free agent signings. So do you think that you should be doing this? And uh, it kind of just makes sense that at the end of the day, if these two parties can't agree with what makes sense for the best of the team, that they should go their different ways. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I watched the press conference. It seemed to be pretty amicable. They both seem to be in a good place and good spirits. Obviously, who knows what went on behind that door. But I do think it wasn't. I think it's the kind of thing where if Bill had come to like, listen, Bob, give me one more year. I want one more year with this draft. We got Salak. I have a vision. Here's my plan. I think Kraft would have given it to him. I, I, I do believe that. I just don't think it was a, a adamant, I really want to stay. I think they kind of had a conversation and got to a point where maybe it was time to go. Uh, I'm with you, Rich. I wanted him to stay. I wanted that one more year with a top three draft pick and a ton of cap space. And there's a lot of teams in the AFC that are going to be in salary cap hell next yep. year and aging players. And there's going to be a position to, to, to move up significantly in the AFC. A lot of rosters getting dismantled this off season. So the Patriots are really primed in that respect. And to see Bill Belichick do that would have been a lot of, a lot of fun. And maybe if he couldn't get it done with all that working in his favor, then part ways, but you know, Patriot ways, you lose a guy too early rather than too late. Right. Yep. And so I guess it's kind of, kind of a fitting end for Bill yep. Belichick. I don't know if it's really fully sunk in, honestly, that he's no longer the coach of the Patriots. I mean, I'm 42 years old and I've been a Patriots fan since I was like five, like half of my life as a Patriots fan has been Bill Belichick and all the good stuff was mostly Bill Belichick. A couple of Parcells teams were pretty good back in the mid nineties, but yep. um, this is basically, you know, a lot of people like that's all they know and it's not their fault. Like if you're like 25 years old, that's like all you know is Bill Belichick. So I'm, I'm going to be really weird when the coverage for next season starts in earnest and we're talking about Gerard Mayo and we're talking about Bill Belichick, coach of the Dallas Cowboys, Philadelphia Eagles, Chargers, who knows where he's going to end up. We're talking yep. about that later on in the podcast, but um, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know exactly what stage of grief I'm on, but maybe I'm at the very tail end of denial, but um, <laughs> I just, it's, I don't know. I, I understand that it was the right move. I just I just wish he'd gotten one more year, I think. Yeah, totally. And I mean, it's one where we saw what happened with Brady when they let him go one year early. And it's very clear that Belichick still has some gas in the tank, right? Like, it, it's not like he's completely forgotten how to run a team. This defense 
despite all of its injuries, was still a top five unit in the league and has been since 2019. You know, I think Doug Kide posted that the Patriots defense ranks number one in the league since 2019 in uh, earned points against per play. Like they are the most efficiently strong defense in the NFL for the past half decade. And it's a testament to Bill Belichick. And obviously Steve Belichick, Rod Mayo play a big role in that. But Belichick is that defensive mind. It is also very true that this team feels like it's a lot of pieces away from contending again. And kind of the infuriating part is also watching this this wildcard weekend. This could have been the Patriots year. Like if, if the Patriots had a mediocre offense, as we've kept saying, these teams have looked terrible. Like the Bills looked very beatable. The Chiefs have looked very beatable. The Ravens are clearly the class of the AFC right now. Um, And so like, you know, that'd be a very hard uh, team to defeat in the postseason. But like a lot of these teams look very, very beatable. You can't tell me that, you know, the 2019 Patriots uh, couldn't be a contender right now, you know, with all of the weaknesses on the offensive side of the ball. And you have to think that Kraft has been feeling that. You have to think that like, this team with a mediocre offense could have been contending. But I also feel like right now with a lot of the players going into free agency, that there's a pretty big rebuild up here. And like, I don't know necessarily if a lot of these players with their contracts are going to be let go. But uh, when you think of this team and what they need to do to improve, I also just don't see Belichick at the helm of fixing it because we've consistently seen a lot of challenges with them being a little outdated as it relates to what a successful offense looks like. Yeah, I mean, this team is not built to win uh, in 2024 no. at all. Uh, there may, maybe 2025 that they have a great offseason in 2024. Who, who knows? But this is not a team you can kind of plug and play and be a contender, which might be a good reason why Bill Belichick left uh, and a good second down transition. Second and goal, Rich Hill. What's next for Bill Belichick? You know, obviously, he's not going to have any shortage of job offers. He's already yeah. interviewed with the Atlanta Falcons. Which I think it's hysterical. <laughs> his first interviews with the Falcons. Uh, I imagine a lot of mixed feelings for Atlanta fans getting him in there. Uh, you know, I, there are a lot of vacancies already. You know, we're going to see some more firings as the season continues to unfold. I imagine he will be able to have his pick of the litter as to where he goes. Uh, if you had to guess based on this January 16th as we're recording this, where is Bill Belichick coaching for the NFL next year? Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Uh, Interesting. That's my Eagle. guess. I mean, right. like, there's. A few teams that are bottom feeders that will have opportunities, but why would he want to go there? And the Falcons are on the cusp of that bottom feeding unit. You know, like the the NFC South, super weak. He would have a very clear and easy path towards a title. They do have some like good quality offensive skill players that they could build around. They have some good pieces overall, but also like, are they a contender? No, they are still missing the most important part. And that's a quarterback. And uh, why would you put yourself in that situation? Why would you like if there's going to be openings that have good quarterbacks on their roster? Why would you do that? And I wouldn't be surprised if one of the Cowboys or the Eagles jobs opened up. That would make a lot of sense. I don't think the Chargers are looking in his direction. They've been having a long conversation with Harbaugh. uh, And so like I would kind of expect that to be the, the direction that they go in. But like specifically if Belichick has the opportunity to join a top five team in the NFL, absolutely. He should go do that. That's kind of where I feel like uh, the perfect marriage really does work out. And like where I think he would provide a lot of value add is if a team already has the talent on it, if they have the good offense, if they have all of the pieces there, 
Belichick can absolutely bring the discipline, bring the defensive schematics to really elevate them when the season matters most. You know, the defense that he calls will get these teams through the postseason. And the offense that exists currently for the Eagles, you know, if they get a good offensive coordinator and it's not going to be Matt Patricia, hopefully, uh, or he goes to the Cowboys and with Dak is like, you know, he's the best top three quarterback in the league right now. If he has the opportunity to strengthen those teams, then for what the final five years, 10 years of his NFL career, that makes the most sense to find a team that has a quarterback that can be with him for that rest of his career. Yeah, I mean, in that respect, I mean, I think on paper, at least the the perfect fit for him is Dallas. I mean, they're the you know one of the most top performing quarterback in the league. I would be amazed if Mike McCarthy keeps his job after this season, giving the choke job they had at home. This was a good year for the Cowboys to make a serious run, and they get more or less blown out by the Packers at home. The score was not even close to representative how how big a blowout that game was. That's a plug and play offense. He can build the defense up. The only question with Dallas, Rich, is I just don't know if Bill Belichick and Jerry Jones can exist on the same team. There has yeah. to be some kind of arrangement where, like, listen, Jerry, you got to let me do my thing. You can't meddle. You can't go in your old man rants. You got to let me handle that. I don't know if Jerry Jones in his old age would want to do that. It's like, <laughs> how badly do I want to win versus how yeah. badly do I want to be Jerry Jones? A very interesting dynamic to watch unfold. Totally. Well, I feel like that Jerry Jones dynamic would be a, you know, that this is going to be a, four-year relationship <laughs> you're, you're going to go in there you're not expecting to ride out your time there there will be friction there will be burnout but jerry jones can detach for a few seasons before he glomps back on and if belichick gives them a deep playoff run doesn't need to be super, gives them a confident like oh this team could go all the way type of the season then he'll get a longer leash and i i feel like that's uh dallas does make a lot of sense too because like at the end of the day Belichick's not going to want to join the commanders. He's not going to no. join the Panthers. Like, why are you going to waste the rest of your career joining those teams? Like if, if he does, I mean, I feel bad for him. Um, and also maybe that would just indicate that the market for him was a lot softer than we are all perceiving. But I feel like you put him on one of those top teams. That's a match made in heaven. It's like Brady going to the bucks with Godwin and Mike Evans and like five different tight ends that could all post thousand yard years. It just makes sense. And I feel like putting Belichick on those teams that need discipline, need an ability to close out the season, need to be able to, uh, you know, combat these very, uh, you know, highly evolved offenses in the NFC, be able to combat whatever Shanahan is doing at the 49ers. You need a defensive mastermind to stop that. Stop McVay. Belichick's that guy. And I, I feel like that would make a lot of sense to help kind of counter the offensive overload in the NFC. Total wild card pick, Rich Hill. Bill Belichick drops out of the NFL, goes back to coach the Naval Academy, where his dad started. <laughs> That'd be really sweet. Uh, no, not that. I want him to get Shula's record. He's like two seasons away from Shula's record, and he can get there by 2025 easily. Was he 15 wins away? He's got to win like eight games a year. That's 20, very- He's 26 wins away. Um, but like that's that's two and a half years. That's yeah. two and a half, two really good years. If you know why he would want to join the Eagles or the Cowboys team that could already put up thirteen wins in a year. But you go to those teams, and he's going to get that within the next three years, no yeah. question. And I, I do think that's an important record to him. Uh, yeah. And it, you know, it's kind of he can get that as he transitions out of the NFL and goes to whatever he does next. I'm very curious to know what he does next. Um, I don't know. Do you have a, if you had to put one, this is, this is I'll put you on the spot here, buddy, but what do you think was of the 20 plus year tenure of Bill Belichick? What was his most masterful season as a head coach for this team? Most masterful. Um, I feel like 2016 deserves a lot of credit for dealing with a lot of the deflate gate 
aspects of whatever team dynamic is going from Jimmy Garoppolo having that Jacoby Brissett game was it like 16-0 uh, or whatever yeah, they get what the Texans game yeah that Texans game whatever was 29 nothing on Thursday yeah. night too on a short week that is easily <clears throat> one of the best games he has ever like put together as a head coach I, and that was probably uh for my money one of the best teams in nfl history was that 2016 patriots team just from a completeness perspective but you couldn't go wrong with a lot of other ones 2004 absolutely incredible 2007 even with the ending i would still say that that's one of the best seasons that you could get out there um there's a lot of really good ones i feel like there's like individual games or stretches that i want to call but i feel like 2016 for me if i'm ever going to go back and like look at playoff runs or go like reminisce about the team that's the year that i'd go towards can't you really can't go wrong there's not like a bad season he ever had to coach don't you want to say 2023 maybe he had a bad season this season but yeah i think for me the 04 patriots were probably the, the best team i've seen because that team went 14 and 2 and like everything that was supposed to happen happened and that mm-hmm. never occurs in the nfl there's such a wild dynamic and, and parody and things bouncing but like they were able to have enough discipline to make sure the best team in the NFL got the best record and they won the Super Bowl. That's very, very rare that happens. And that was also going back-to-back, which is really, really hard to do. The last team to do it was the Patriots in 04. So they had a target on their back that entire season. They came back. They went 14-2. and Tom Brady elevated his game significantly between 03 and 04. He kind of became Tom Brady at that middle part of the 2000s. Um, really going to miss that guy. But uh, you know what? Better to have uh, experienced him on our side of the sideline going against him. Uh, I don't know anyone. I, I, I'm psyched to talk about the next next one, but any, anything you want to talk about in terms of final Bill Belichick thoughts before we go back to the Patriots? Because he's no longer with the team. So this is the Patriots podcast. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, it is just truly the end of an era. Um, I do appreciate just all of the you know great experiences and memories that I've had associated with him being at the helm, uh, you know, part of my full-time job for four years was covering the Patriots with him being the head coach. Uh, and so It was really a a transformative part of being a sports fan um, and also just truly one of the most breathtaking stretches for any team in sports history. Like this will be considered up there with like the Michael Jordan Bulls for being just like truly the greatest dynasty in all of sports. And, uh, you know, the end happens at some point. But as you said, I'm just so grateful that it happened. And I was able to support the team as they were going through it because I'd much rather root for them as they're winning than for them to be a cellar dweller. It is a lot more fun to root for a winner, for sure. Hopefully, Gerard Mayo can bring the winning culture back. Psych talk Gerard Mayo, Rich. Third and goal after this. The NFL regular season is wrapping up. But there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bet that expires seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. 
Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. All right, Rich, third and goal. The new head coach of the New England Patriots, they did not interview anybody. Mike Vrabel was attached to them for a while. Who are they going to bring in? They said, no, we got our guy in-house. It is Gerard Mayo, the 2008 first-round pick that the Patriots have. Patriots Hall of Famer, great linebacker, great player. Went right from Patriots to coaching assistant, worked his way up. He was talked about in other teams as a head coaching vacancy, but he came back to the Patriots. I don't think it paid off for him. He is the new head coach of the Patriots. How do you feel about it? Honestly, I feel like there's so much remains to be seen. Um, I, I think from a fundamental who is he as a person perspective, he is magnetic. He is someone that every player looks up to, respects. He was a team captain as a sophomore coming out of college uh, or, you know, as a second year in the NFL. He uh, knows how to play the game well. He knows how to coach the game well. You talk to a lot of the different players and they always say that the big thing that he does is teach every player what everyone else on the field is doing, which is a hallmark of a Belichick coach, which is great. And he also comes with the understanding of this is how I connect with players, which when you think of where do all of the other people on the Belichick coaching tree falter, it's their inability to connect with players always time and time and time again. And so I am excited with, you know, obviously major caveats as it relates to what will the rest of his coaching staff look like. Um, but from, I think from a personality standpoint, uh, you know, obviously everyone's now trying to chase the D'Amico Ryans that the Texans have right now. And I think that Mayo could bring that to the table to an extent, um, especially he, like he's been doing well. He's been in the building. He knows the players. Uh, so as it relates to who can bring that, kind of uh, player connection and elevation ability while also tying the whole team together. Mayo's going to give you a good a shot as any. He is. And, you know, I, I like the hiring from within. I think that's a good move. My, my, one of my big concerns about Bill Belichick was like, you fire him. Okay. Who do you bring in? Like, where yep. do you get a replacement? And I would much rather quote unquote, take a chance on an unknown commodity than bring in Jeff Fisher for the millionth yeah. time, right? One of those kind of like coaching carousel guys. Josh McDaniels. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm, there, there's already talk of him coming back to be the OC for like the fifth time. I don't know how many times you can move back in with your parents before you realize this isn't for you, but I'll take McDaniels back. I know the Belichick sons have been offered jobs with Mayo. I'll be yep. curious to see if they stay. My concern though, Rich, not a concern, but you know, I guess one of the things I'm going to be monitoring very closely in the coming weeks is Mayo's a defensive player. He's a defensive coach. He's a defensive mind. The defense is solid. I'm not worried of the defense. The offense was an absolute disaster. Does Mayo have the offensive knowledge to kind of build an offense from scratch? Or is he going to be more willing, say, than Belichick was to maybe hand the reins of the offense, someone more experienced, and kind of let them do it? That's what I'm going to be watching out for. Hopefully it's a little, little of both. Because um, obviously for the head coach, you don't want to immediately cede responsibilities the second you get in the door. Mm-hmm. But – 
it, you hopefully a, a part of a good leader is knowing where your weaknesses are and surrounding some people that can that can bolster you. So uh, a lot of good moves to be made for the Patriots here. Totally. I mean, like in a classic coaching uh, structure is to have that you know, coach that's young on one side of the ball, and then you make the assistant head coach and coordinator someone who's been a former head coach from the other side of the ball. So it would make total sense to say, hey, Gerard Mayo, your head coach, and at AHC and offensive coordinator, it's Bill O'Brien or Josh McDaniels. And it would make a lot of sense. Honestly, I, I think uh, what I would want to see is for Bill O'Brien to get a actual shot Kind of. If they bring in someone from like the Andy Reid or Shanahan McVay tree, I would be thrilled with that. If they come back and say like, we're going to go give Bill O'Brien an actual shot as opposed to like forcing a complete coaching staff on him that he had no say in. I, you know what, you could have worse options out of that because for all of the struggles that this offense had, I think a lot of it came down to just the, the pieces that they had more so than the actual scheme itself. Um, because another thing that I wanted to highlight too is that I feel like this team has been uh, living in the dark ages as it relates to the offense for years, even with McDaniels, for despite everything that they looked at, uh, you know, or like how they looked at Mac Jones as a rookie. But they've been living in the dark ages. We've talked about this year after year after year of like they're telegraphing their run plays. If it's Vereen, it's going to be a pass. If it's Ridley, it's going to be a run. And they had that pretty much every single year until like. Matt Patricia last year and they like obviously lost their third down back, which is also bad. Um, but like even this year with Elliot and Stevenson, it's nice to have two backs that they can entrust to do both because it removes an element of understanding from the opposing team, but you know, forces them to say a little off balance, but something that I saw that the Patriots were trending in the right direction with this year, Seth Walder from ESPN just posted out this report. Uh, the rate in which teams use motion at the snap, is in my mind one of the great indicators of a good offense. You know, if, I'm just going to read the the top six teams here. Uh, you got the Dolphins, the Rams, the 49ers, the Packers, the Lions, and the Ravens. Those are your top six teams in this metric. Um, obviously, like you have good offenses out there, but even this year, like the Chiefs were pretty not great this year. Um, but you look at the bottom teams, uh, you know, you got the Panthers in 25th, Saints 26th, the Bills who fired their offensive coordinator at 27th. You got the Bucks, Commanders, Cardinals, and Browns. And then finally the Eagles at the end, which obviously had a massive collapse. Where the Patriots have struggled the most, uh, you go back, I believe it was in 2021, they ranked 30th. They had snap motion at the snap 7.4% of the time. They increased it last year with Matt Patricia. They ranked 26th in the league at 10.8. And uh, this past year, they ranked 19th at 17.8. So they're trending in the right direction as it relates to like schematics. They just need players that can execute on it. And then honestly, just like the Dolphins, Rams, 49ers, and Packers all have motion at the snap at least one out of three times. And so to me, what this is saying is that the Patriots have been, uh, not using analytics to support their offensive play calling. They, uh, you know, they're starting to trend a little bit more in the right direction, but they were so reliant on Tom Brady being the engine of the offense that they didn't realize that the rest of the car was deteriorating and being super outdated. And so they came out here trying to run an early 2010s offense with Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. And obviously it was terrible because there wasn't Tom Brady there. And so what I am hopeful for is that they can do a full reflection, a full analysis of what went well, not much, (laughs) and what can we do next year that can bring us to 
top 20 offense. I don't need a top 10 offense. I remember being pie in the sky this offseason, <laughs> being like, Bill O'Brien's going to make them potentially be a top 10 offense. Give me top 20, and you're a wild card team. That's all you need to do. My standards are so low right now, Alec. Just give me something on offense. Yeah, man, that's the problem with doing these podcasts. There are receipts in what we had to say <laughs> all season. We can't pretend we never said we're not like professional journalists like for ESPN who just pretend we never actually said it. People can go back and make replays. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the the curious thing that I've read or heard is that they're waiting until af- potentially waiting until after the draft yeah. to hire a GM, which is a weird move because one of the big criticisms for years was GM Bill versus Coach Bill. Uh, so we now have GM Mayo and Coach Mayo, I'm guessing. He's now running his first draft room as a head coach without a GM. Interesting strategy, uh, to say the least. But, you know, I'm, I'm not a football coach. I don't know what goes on behind closed doors. I'd be very curious to see how this, this coaching staff shakes out. If you had to guess, Rich, will the Belichick boys stay? Will they prove to the world that they can do it without their dad? Or will they follow Bill wherever he goes? That's a tough question. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Brian followed Bill. I feel like if Steve can get the official title of defensive coordinator, he's not going to get a better, better title somewhere else. And he has the players here that know him. They can operate the scheme. Like if you retain uh, Kyle Duggar, you're going to get most of your pieces back for next year. Like obviously you need to re-sign Jennings. Uche is a nice piece to have as well, but like you're going to have a lot of the pieces back to kind of run back a top five defense. And I can see that sense of stability being helpful. If I'm Brian, you're not going to supplant Steve here. You've been doing it for a while. I can see him following his dad and doing the same path that Steve did, where he gets another you know couple years before he gets the shot to call the defense. Um, and he just needs to have a little bit more of a clear path forward. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if they actually split up. Yeah, I'll be, again, this, again, the good thing about these time of the year, Rich, is uh, it's pretty fun, a lot of optimism, a lot of hope. It usually comes around February because we're still in the playoffs talking about who they're playing in the divisional round after that first round bye. But with Belichick gone, that particular chapter of New England Patriots is officially closed. There are zero – when Matthew Slater ultimately retires, which I imagine is going to be coming in the next couple of weeks slash days, every mm. single member of that dynasty will just be gone – like a fart in the wind, to quote the shot. <laughs> and that's just the way it is. And that's part of moving on, Rich Hill. Uh, before we move on, though, before, before we close things out here, fourth and goal, Rich. Season retrospective, Patriots retrospective. I uh, went through the, the scoring. We actually tied this season on my little notebook. We each got seven predictions correct. Uh, we wow. both predicted the Patriots winning in Miami the first time. Oops. We both had the Patriots beating the Saints. Oops. And we both had the Bills beating the Patriots the first time. So that's a good oops. Other than that, we split right down the middle. So I guess we owe each other a beer for our annual bet. So congratulations to you and to me. Um, I know this wasn't a good season. I know we struggled to cover it because how many times can you talk about an offense going three and out and the defense having to defend short fields and keep like we said the same thing over and over and over. Uh, But I will say this will go down as one of the more memorable seasons of my time. A, because it was Belichick's last season. And B, it was the first like really bad Patriots team I rooted for in like 30 years almost. Yeah. It was gonna be 26 years. So, you know, maybe in a couple of years when they're good again, we'll look back on these these lean 2023 time as a, a interesting time. And it really stands out. And the fact that it does stand out that we can talk about a, a four win season, we're not gonna be like Browns fans, like which four win season? <laughs> you know, that's a that's a good thing to have. So 
Football is like pizza, I always say. Even when it's bad, it's still awesome. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. But uh, you any kind of general thoughts about the season now that's over? Can you, can you look back on it with a little more rose-colored glasses now that we don't have to slog through it anymore? Can you appreciate the season for what it was? Or are you just like so happy that it's done that you just want to get the hell out of here? Rose-colored what? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, I, I think it's uh, you, you look at the past 25 years with that type of a lens. Um, I feel like this year uh truly a low of lows for a lot of things like the patriot special teams unit uh poor chad ryland but truly one of the worst performances on a special teams we've seen with bill belichick and they were bad last year and they got worse this year uh on the offensive side truly one of the worst offenses of all time um but especially in patriots history and so they were truly unwatchable many times you know they might accident their way into a score here and there but there were you know at least 75 percent of the drives i was expecting them to go eight three and out and they didn't disappoint (laughs) um the defensive side was great but i honestly like given the context of how bad the other two sides of the ball were it was a little bit more sad than like uh, something you could root for it wasn't like the 2006 bears where like you know you had hester doing something on special teams so like you could watch this team. It was really like you felt bad for the defense by the second quarter because it's like you you felt the dam breaking. You felt them straining. You felt them straining. And then like obviously it busted with a 40-yard gain or something like that at some point because there's only so much you can do. Um, so I honestly, I feel like this team in retrospect will just like look back at it and be like, oh, wow, that was really bad. But I think what will really define this season is what they do with that third overall pick. The way that we will think back on this year is if that player beat, you know, if it's a quarterback and they turn the franchise back into a contender, we will look back at this year and say, what a necessary bust of a year. If they go out there and get another terrible player, as they've been doing with the early round picks for the past few years, we're going to look back and just say, oh, that was the beginning of the end, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I feel like we're at the maybe third year in a row where the Pats are at a crossroads. You know, they were the 2020 season was that that, that bridge year. Everyone everyone took a mulligan for 2020, and then 2021 was Mac Jones. He was the guy, made the playoffs, strong rookie season. 2022, I don't know, that was Matt Patricia's fault. He stinks yep. with a poor offense. 2023, Mac Jones stinks. Bill O'Brien can't get it done. Bill Belichick's gone, and now they're really starting from scratch again. And I – the draft is just such a crapshoot. I know there's a lot of hope to be placed on this, but I just really have never been of the opinion that drafting a quarterback fifth overall or whatever is like this like magical cure-all to your season. It's fun. It's super sexy. You get really optimistic about this, like young kid is going to come in, but that just isn't ever how it goes. And so I'll be much more curious to see how they do on the other days and weeks of the offseason, who they bring in, who they sign, what trades are they making, what personnel are they surrounding their team with, which offensive philosophies are they installing, how's minicamp yes. going to go. That's what I really want to see more of. Uh, I'm going to be uh, – I'll root for a Drake May or a Marvin Harrison or a whoever uh, at rock on. Uh, I'll be okay with a franchise left tackle. I know people yep. don't want to see that, but I'm okay with that too. But I really just want to see, like, if – to your point about Belichick, maybe just not quite understanding how the new NFL offenses work with the fast paced mobility, a lot of motion. Maybe he's still stuck in those pocket pass or run, run pass kind of kind of strategies. Are they evolving to a 21st century football team? Is Mayor the guy to get him there? Yes. I don't know if we'll know it all 
obviously this season. I'm going to give Mayo a couple of years, I hope. But, um, you know, I, I think it, it's cool to be able to just kind of be born anew, for lack of a better phrase, and just kind of be excited to just develop and grow as a baby Pats fan again in a lot. Of <laughs> no, I agree too. Cause I mean, I feel like uh, it felt this way a little bit in 2019 to like a much lesser extent. Cause Brady had just finished his three out of four kind of thing or three out of five year stretch of titles where it's like, you're not wasting the end of his career, but uh, you know, watching just the, the limping of the offensive skill players around Brady in that year, you know, the mid-year acquisition of Mohamed Sanu. And it was just like, Oh no. Oh no. What is happening on this end? Like, are we wasting this year for him? And I feel like uh, that's what it's felt like with Belichick during this stretch is being like, I, there's a lot of pressure on each game for him chasing that title for all time records win. And so it made each loss feel a little bit worse because it was like, Oh, this team is really far away from that. Huh? And so to kind of remove that pressure where you can just like watch and root for him, from afar if you want to if you feel like it but then to all of a sudden as you said starting new and be like you know what there's no expectations with this team with a belichick team there's certain standards there's certain expectations here you know what if they finish bottom five again at least maybe they'll be entertaining this year uh because that's all i can ask for on that end but to be able to say you know what if you know as you said if matt slater retires you got like three players that might be carryovers from that stretch. You know, David Andrews, who also we don't know how much longer he'll be around for. Then really just like Joe Cardona. Like <laughs> he'll be able to kind of just say, this is a brand new slate. We'll see what happens with this team. Um, but there won't be any of those historical pressures attached. No, there most certainly will not. It's as there's a, there's a freedom to that. I mean, I remember going into certain seasons, the Pats fan, just like not not terrified, but I was like the, the tension was there from week one. It's like you we are expected to win the Super Bowl. Like that is where yep. the season can end. It's the only time where anybody will be satisfied with this season. And if they don't win the Super Bowl, it's not like all right, they didn't win. It was just like an epic, disastrous embarrassment. And those yep. were your two options for a long time as a Patriots fan. And that is most certainly not the mentality for the Patriots going forward, which is kind of nice and refreshing. And if they win in week one, I'm excited because it's a game that matters for that week and not just, all right, they're going to go 12 and four again and I'll wait till we get to January. So that is a yep. lot of fun. Uh, well, that's kind of all I got, Rich Hill. One thing I'll ask extra point. If you could change one thing, just one thing over the 2023 season that made it more enjoyable for you, what would it have been? Oh, getting him an offensive line like that. That's like the, the biggest thing that we all talked about uh, during this off season is like, if this team, we can go back, listen to that podcast. If this team goes off of the rails in a bad way, what would be the cause of it? Because the offensive line doesn't pan out. We said this during training camp, everyone was dealing with injuries, you know, left, right and center and everyone was hurt. And what could go wrong is if, they have a bad offensive line. Mac Jones starts seeing ghosts and it's the beginning of the end. And that is literally what happened. And so it might even just be like going back a little bit further and saying, don't trade Shaq Mason. That to me will be that watershed moment of like, what, what did you do, Bill? Why would you do that? And it just created a domino effect of just weakness along that offensive line where like you could have had a really strong offensive line. Obviously, don't want them to take a guard in the first round, um, but you took a strength and you made it a massive weakness. And then uh, the only kind of like valid way to build around a young quarterback is to protect them. 
and you made him extremely vulnerable. You gutted the offensive line, and therefore you wasted the biggest and best like quarterback asset you had. And so if I could go back and fix that offensive line, make them be stable for a long time, I don't even say you have to re-sign Joe Tooney because I understand that. But go fix that offensive line. This year turns out very differently. That's a much bigger fix than I was going to say, Rich. I was going to say just I didn't want to lose to the Jets in the last week. <laughs> no, that really – that loss really sucks. Bill yeah. Belichick's last game was a home loss to the Jets. That just sucks. And it's yeah. going to be like a trivia question in like 20 years. What was the result of Bill Belichick's last game as a Patriots head coach? It was a 17-3 to embarrassing game in the snow. Probably Matt Slater's last game too. I would have liked to get – that probably would have screwed their draft pick up. But again, third versus fifth. I don't really care that much. Or third versus fourth, whatever it would have been. The Jets. Yeah, it's you've got to beat the Jets at home in Bill's last game. But now, so Brady's last throw was a pick six in the playoffs, and Belichick's last game was a loss to the Jets. Two very ignominious ways for two legends to leave the team, unfortunately. Yeah, and honestly, too, that loss to the Jets, that offense, we I know we didn't talk about this game, historically bad performance by the Patriots. Guess how many first downs they had the entire game? Oof, geez. Uh, two? They had six, which is the (laughs) lowest of Belichick's entire tenure. They've never had fewer than, I believe, eight. And they had that against the Saints earlier this year. Uh, But six is an all-time low for Belichick with the Patriots. They had 119 total yards. That's a drive and a half on any other game. And so, uh, yeah, historically bad performance by this Patriots offense in Belichick's last game. Big emphasis for how this season kind of wound up um, to me really reinforced the, okay, it's time. It's really time for them to go their different ways. Obviously would have loved to see them go out with a win. It's so much more palatable to be like, okay, you switched to Zappy and all of a sudden you went on this stretch, lose losses to the Chiefs and Bills are very understandable because your team was fighting. But that last game, it was over. Yeah, that's bad. I mean, I, I appreciate that the players are coming out in droves to show respect to Bill, but it just wasn't a good way to end it. But ended it did. And it's another season in the books, Rich. This is, uh, what, eight years we've been doing this? Yep, very long eight, time. Eight years of podcasting. Most TV series don't last that long. So, <laughs> so good for us. We're there thick and thin. It's been an absolute blast. And in terms of this future of this podcast, we're going to take some time off. We're going to relax a little bit, enjoy the playoffs, enjoy the Super Bowl comeback when the offseason officially starts in earnest, when we talk draft, talk free agency, all that good stuff. Maybe some surprises down the line, but we'll leave that for another time. All right. Well, until next time, Alec, the season has been a pleasure. The Belichick tenure has been a pleasure. And until next time, you have a good one. You too, buddy. See ya. Bye, man.